Yo, what's up, everybody? Once again, uh, another cold opening, another exciting episode of my radio podcast. I really don't have nothing to talk about in this opening, really. Um, I did have something in mind, but then I forgot it because um, it's it's a Wednesday, April 29th, as I'm recording this, and it's 12.01, which means I'm eating lunch. So uh, I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast in the middle of the day. Um, in between my lunch break and my actual work day, because the focus is real right now, people. I don't know if I already said this. I should probably listen to my podcast first and then go back, and and and, and that way I don't repeat myself when I talk about the fact that I fasted on the PlayStation um, for a week straight um, to eliminate six hours <laughs> of uh, three to six hours of play time and turned it into work time for my own personal projects and which include this podcast um, because of it I've been able to have months and months of content have at least a month worth of content already posted on Podbean so if I didn't record any more the rest of this week I'm good through the month of May but I don't want it to stop there folks I want to get to June I want to have enough episodes that last me to June and then July <laughs> and then maybe August I don't know I don't know I don't know how I feel right now, but I'm on a roll, and because I'm on a roll, this week's podcast is um, probably going to come out sometime the last week of May. That's going to be great, right? I hope you've been enjoying the rest of the content as well that's been um, that I've released thus far um, with uh, with Annie Klein, uh, Michelle, sometimes Samson, and uh, Chris Lambert, and uh, hopefully. Um, you've already purchased and or pre-ordered. Well, by this time, you should already have it downloaded. The Chris Lambert album, Fell Running Back. Um, anywho, this show is going to be a break from the norm. It's going to be a break from just talking comedy. I'm going to bring in my man, uh, the big homie. And uh, before we go into that, we know we got to get into this. So, let's go. The same my name. My name is Deja Brown. And you're And you're listening to... The open mic podcast. Pop, 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 podcast. Uh huh. Man, this chicken is so good. I'm literally eating chicken, rice, and spinach. Mm, mm, mm. Good God Almighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Open Mic Radio Podcast. 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 Yeah. If you're sitting down right now, I I respectfully request that you place your hands on your knees. Hands on your knees. And if you're a guy, I demand... Let you put your hands up. Let listen to Summertime from Will Smith. And just vibe with me on the Open Mic Radio podcast. 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 Store back, ladies. Mm, mm. I just saw a compilation twerk video by Lizzo, and I am just hype. I'm twerking in my chair right now. Mm, mm. Take this chair. Take this office chair. Take this. Take all of this. Oh, uh, because my butt is getting shapely now because I do squats. Ah, squats. Squats on the open mic radio podcast. 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 Do squats on the open mic radio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I'm nuts. Fade this out. Fade this out. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of my radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike B. And for the next hour and some change, we're going to be talking um, sports, wrestling, NFL. I got my man coming through, my man Big Hurt, um, a Redskins aficionado, uh, liaison. He's going to be popping through and just, you know, just talking Redskins. I thought I had my sound effects up. Let's see. There we go. Got my man. I got my coffee with me. 
I don't really have a topic to talk about outside of you know what's what's been dominating the, the news media. Outside of the fact that we're talking Joe Biden, Joe Biden just won the Ohio primary. That's old news. That's about three weeks old, but whatever. Uh, folks, at this point, um, there there is only one choice to make, and I know y'all trying to come up. Um, with reasons why you shouldn't vote for Biden, and I get it. I'm not here to dispute it. I'm not here to be like, oh, well, you know, me too. I see, I see the Russian propaganda. I'm seeing people picking up the Russian propaganda, talking points, and running with them, and I get it. All I'm saying is, it wasn't for for some people. It wasn't a red flag for them four years ago, if that makes sense. For a particular person who can't even sit, call the grieving members family members of the COVID-19 virus that he single-handedly um, um, fluffed. He messed up. He really um, mucked that up, didn't he? He mucked it up. <laughs> he sure did. So there's only one choice, people. I'll let you make your own decisions. Um, everybody in the Democratic Party has come together and, and rallied behind this man. So uh, what you do is what you do. All I know is um, if we put this guy back in office for another four years, then we deserve the... We deserve everything that we get. And actually, we don't. People who who decide to vote for Biden should be immune from anything this loser does. But <laughs> whatever. Um, one team, one fight, like the Army. Anyway, coming up next is my homie Big Hurt. I'm about to um, call him up right now. I'm about to queue him up. Be right back. On an open mic um, for another side episode of the Open Mic Radio Podcast. So stand by real quick, people. Matter of fact, let's do another drop. I'm looking for a drop. Here we go. Hey, it's your girl, Trady Sade. When I'm not hosting Comedic Relief at Wonderland Ballroom, you can catch me listening to the Open Mic Radio Podcast. Hey, everybody. <laughs> We're back. I love, my, I love my soundboard. I have one of the greatest soundboards of all time of soundboards. I found the greatest app of soundboards. Anyway, um, breaking from the norm, if you've been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks, we have had um, comedians um, come through and um, we've been talking about their backstories and stuff like that. But I want to break from the norm. I want to bring up some um, another topic that's near and dear to my heart, um, wrestling. But on top of that, I want to talk some football because football season is coming up. And um, there's no other person that I know who knows football, especially Redskins football, than the big homie himself, Mr. Big Hurt. What's going on, Hurt's house? Yo, what's going on, Mike? What's happening? Not much, man. Look, listen. Um, this episode's coming out maybe the fourth week of May. I don't know I don't know much about football. I'm not a football aficionado, okay? I'm not a football liaison, okay? I'm not a football uh, 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 what do you call it? like a wine uh, sommelier. I'm not a football sommelier, all right? I don't even know if that's a thing. But I know you are, and you know Redskins. You know Redskins talk. And I wanted to talk to you about, because um, we're in the nation's capital, we're in the DMV area, I want to talk about so football talk, man. So uh, real quick, uh, give the people who may not know who you are, whoever listened to in the previous podcast, um, in the previous episodes, some of your background um, in this, some of this some of this background. Give, give, give them your, creden- your credentials. Well, my um, I go by uh, I go by the name Hurt. I host Hurt's House Hurt every Thursday on True Radio Network, uh, truradionetwork.com. Also, hurtshouse.com. Also, Hurt's House on Twitter. Also, Hurt's House on uh, Instagram and PlayStation Four. Um, I have been reporting on Redskins news for five years now, and um, <clears throat> have sources inside. Uh, I've, I've talked to everything from players to news writers to trainers. Um, damn, I won't say too much, but um, it's a it's a full time job to get the true story out on Redskins news because the two major stations in the D.C. area have an agenda. You have one station that basically is owned by the Redskins, and you have one station that is so they despise Redskins organization. So they paint them in a negative slant, whereas the Redskins station paints everything in the positive slant. And our job is to get the truth, RU Radio Network, is to get the truth out of there. 
and that's what we've been doing for the last five years. Okay, okay. Um, now we got that out. I just want to talk real quick about um, the draft just happened. All right, this is April mm-hmm. 29th. I'd like to let everybody know the draft just happened. But when y'all hear this, the draft has already happened, and you're like, why is he talking about this? Because I want to talk about it, people. Damn it. <laughs> um, how do you how do you score because the, the draft is over with? I think they end because uh, they end like Saturday, right? It's like a three day event, Thursday, Friday, and then it's Saturday. Yes. Um, what are some of your takeaways from the um from the draft uh from the draft um the NFL draft twenty twenty? What are some of your takeaways that you take that you took away from some of the picks and some of the teams? Well, um. Immediately, when it comes to the Washington Redskins, we absolutely positively the best player in that draft. Keep in mind, people, the best player in the draft every year is always reevaluated three or four years later. But right now, as of May 4th, or what, what day is this coming out? May 5th? Mm-mm. Right now, as the first week of May, oh, last week of May, everybody, everybody agrees that the best player in the draft is Chase Young. And he is a Washington Redskin. There was lots of rumors that the Redskins were going to trade down. And guys on ESPN said that the Redskins were going to take a quarterback. And, again, True Radio Network, I'm, I'm sitting here yelling into the wind, the Redskins are not trading down. The Redskins are absolutely taking Chase Young. Everybody I spoke to was unequivocal about that. And um, when you have someone like Colin Cowherd saying the exact opposite, it, it gets rough sometimes. But in the end, uh, we, we took the best player in the draft. That's my number one takeaway from the draft. Um, as far as the Redskins go, the number two takeaway was the trade of Trent Williams. Now, Trent Williams is a perennial all-pro, possibly, if it was any other team but the Redskins, Hall of Fame left tackle. And he's been in the middle of a contract holdout for about a year now. Um, the Redskins traded him. They could have traded him before the draft, and they didn't. They waited until the draft. They thought that his price would go up. Unfortunately, all the teams who wanted a left tackle took left tackles. That would be Cleveland. That would be the Jets. That would be Tampa Bay. That would be Minnesota. So his trade stock went way down during the draft to the point where they had to actually give him to uh, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers for peanuts. So those are the two biggest stories out of the draft for me as far as the Redskins go. All right, now what about the NFL as a whole? What was some of the big takeaways you took from from the draft as a whole, as a whole NFL? Um, some of the whole, some of the, some of that I took away from it was, um, uh, I think the biggest question mark was Philadelphia taking a quarterback. Uh, Philadelphia taking a quarterback shows that they don't have confidence in their starting quarterback in Wentz, which, you know, half of Philadelphia doesn't have confidence in them, but they stand behind them. So I was a little surprised at that. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, from what I understand, took the best wide receiver in the draft, and they they took him right in front of Philadelphia, and it was it was lots of jarring going back and forth between Philly and um between Philly fans and 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 uh, Dallas fans. And hold on, but, hold on. So so, because I was confused about that. I saw the memes. So did, was the Eagles trying to get that that wide receiver and the Cowboys had to pick? And absolutely, absolutely. And the and Dallas. This is the first time it's happened either. Dallas traded up to get in front of Philadelphia to take the wide receiver. Not the first time it's happened. <laughs> That's kind of petty, isn't it? it? It is petty. It is petty. The thing about the uh, the thing about the NFL is, you pretty much know you make your draft list. When you know who you're taking. Mm-hmm. The first thing you do is you get your draft board together, and you evaluate the players. You take like let's say 500 players or so, and you put them in order of who you think is the best. Mm-hmm. Who you think is the best. Then you look at positions of need and you start highlighting people. Okay, this person's more important to us because 
we need a left tackle. So even though we might have ranked him number 12 in the draft, for us, he's number three because he's the third most important position to need. Mm-hmm. Whereas Chase Young, just to give an example, defensive end's not a position of need, but he's the number one guy to draft. So that raises him because he's a better player than he is a position of need for us. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, then you start identifying other teams' positions of need, and you start speculating where this person might go. Okay, Philadelphia needs a wide receiver, so they're going to be looking at this guy. Minnesota needs a tackle. They're going to be looking at this. Uh, Tampa Bay just got Tom Brady. They're going to need someone to protect him. They're going to need this or maybe a wide receiver, so they're going to be looking here and here. You start identifying other teams' needs, so these guys become targets for those teams. You start getting an idea of where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. So typically, by the time the draft starts, you know where people are going. You know where the first couple of picks are going. You don't know what order, but you know where they're going. You know Chase Young's going to be – you know Joe Burrow's going to Cincinnati number one. You know Chase Young's going number two. You know the Dolphins want Tua. You, you think – you think, and things, this is where things get murky, you think Isaiah Simmons is going to Detroit or New York, mm-hmm. but they both, you know, um, the New York Giants see that the Redskins take Chase Young. Oh, man, we need protection for our quarterback now. It changes the way they draft. So they go offensive tackle instead of linebacker, and that makes Simmons drop. That makes other teams start panicking, like, oh, man, offensive tackles are going early. Maybe we got to get offensive tackle now. Like you start seeing things like that happen. It's not. It's not different than fantasy football, folks. If you've ever done a fantasy football draft, and you're you're picking up people, and then in the third round, someone takes a tight end. Then you see the person after him panic. Oh man, uh, tight end I want for Kansas City's off the board. Well, I gotta take one. Oh, I gotta find one. And you start seeing tight ends go off the board. The NFL draft is something like that. It only takes one person to draft out of order for everybody to start panicking. But then, have a team like the Dallas Cowboys, who are down below the Philadelphia Eagles, they say, hey, we thought Arizona was going to take a wide receiver, but they took Simmons, a linebacker, because the Giants took an offensive tackle. Now, the wide receiver that we thought we wouldn't be able to get our hands on is right there. We can trade one of our second or third round picks to jump up and take him from Philly, which helps our team mm-hmm. and hurts them at the same time. It's a very complex game of chess while also playing with a Rubik's cube. That's the NFL draft. Yeah, because you, uh, like you, you like you lost me a little bit because not I was like gonna say how long ago that was. <laughs> <yo. laughs> <laughs> you, 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 lost, you, you lost me when you were like so then I like oh they, oh shit what what is what is happening right now <laughs> because I mean like I guess I'm a, I'm a big NBA fan and you know mm-hmm. normally we you know and from from what I see normally we team select for their needs I've never I've I, in the, and I've never seen a team like select a player outside of out, I guess the term would be outside of the means I guess. You know, like if, right. they, if they have Allen Iverson at shooting guard, <laughs> they don't draft. And and if they have the number one or two pick, whatever, they don't draft the best shooting guard in the draft when when their center is Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, right. You know what I'm saying? So when I saw the meme and it was like Dallas Cowboys selected a wide receiver, and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know much about football, but I I just thought they had they just selected they just. Um, traded to get one of the best wide receivers in the league, and I think they had like another wide. They, they re-signed Amari Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's here's two lines of thought on that. Two lines of thought. One, that's somebody you don't want to play against the next four or five years. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like they're in your division, so if you can hurt a division rival at the same time, help yourself. Mm-hmm. The reason. The reason the Redskins weren't going to trade down with Miami to take Tua was because the Giants know. The Giants are like, yo, if y'all don't take Chase Young and he falls to us, we're taking him. And then you get to see him, a hometown guy 
who expect to come to the Redskins, who want to play for you. And there's not a lot of people who want to play for the Redskins yeah. because of the way the media has portrayed them. A guy who genuinely wants to play for you, he gets to play against you and make you pay for not taking him for the next 10 years. No. You got to take him. Um, and you can hurt your opponent. You can hurt your division rivals at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mazel to you. Now, in the NFL, in the NBA, in NBA terms, if you have David Robinson, mm-hmm. and this is this is out of order as far as time goes, okay? Mm-hmm. If you have David Robinson on your team, mm-hmm. okay, I'll take it back. If you have Akeem Olajuwon as your center, maybe mm-hmm. you don't draft David Robinson. Yeah. But you damn sure have to have a look at Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. It's not somebody you pass on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless you're Detroit. So if you have Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. maybe you don't draft Gary Payton. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you still have to have a look at Jordan. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, because if you, you, you don't, you don't pass on talent. Yeah, because it's like supreme talent. Because it's like, um, matter of fact, here's a better example. It's like the draft, the LeBron James draft. Was that 06, 07? Mm-hmm. And you had LeBron go one, and then Darko Milicic go two. And the reason why Detroit didn't pick Darko, didn't pick Carmelo over Darko Milicic is because they didn't want him coming off the bench. There you go. <laughs> they, they, drafted, they drafted position of need instead of overall talent. Now, yeah. in the NFL, this is a cause of debate. Yeah. There are there, – there's no right way to do it. There's only a wrong way. Mm-hmm. Between there's a debate of drafting for need versus drafting for position. I've always been a draft for position guy. If you need a left tackle, draft a freaking left tackle. Unless it's a can't miss superstar like Chase Young. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> this draft, like our our last regime, was mm-hmm. a hybrid. It was like you draft a position of need, unless. Unless that person's out of your draft range, like we're not gonna, we're not gonna draft a tackle who's projected to go number forty-five. We're not gonna draft him at number thirteen. Mm-hmm. So at thirteen, we're gonna draft the best player available, and hopefully, it's also a position of need as well. It just becomes more of a priority. Um, the problem is. If you miss, and keep in mind, keep in mind, only, let's say, 25, 30% of the people drafted actually stay on the team. Yeah. If you miss, if you look at the guy who can't miss and you miss, mm-hmm. then not only have you not drafted to make your team better, you also still have a position of need. Yeah. Okay. So it, it can it can hurt you twice. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, because I mean, because if you look at the, because it's a lot of draft picks, right? It's a lot of draft picks because it's literally like a three day draft. But I guess because of the simple fact that there's more players on each team, it's not like the NBA where it's like twelve players on the roster. I think the max is like thirteen to fourteen. Um, so the margin of error in the NFL is greater because uh, because you, you're selecting so many you're selecting so many players at a high rate of speed. Um, at a, at a high number clip, so um, it's weird because like I have I have a couple of friends I went to high school with who was drafted. One of them, um, um, Dexter Reed, he was drafted by the New England Patriots, and um, a few years ago, and well, way back, probably like early two thousands, whatever. Anyway, it was the foot. He won the Super Bowl ring with the Patriots, and he won two, one with the Patriots, and it was like another team. That won the following year. That wasn't the Patriots. I can't think of the other team's name right off right off hand. And um, he was in the league for like maybe two or three years, and that was it. That's it. That's all. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because if you go look up Dexter Reed, um, he he the uh, the highlight reel that the, the clip is the one where uh, is 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 not a good is not a, a favorable clip of him, but he was a monster in high school. Um, what is something that you're trying to look? What is something that you? Matter of fact, what I'm gonna do is because I don't wanna, I don't wanna Redskins people to death uh, with this. So stand by. I got another Redskins question for you, um, and we'll be right back with the Open Mic Radio podcast. The other drop coming through. Three, two.
and one. This is your girl, Candace with a K, August like the month. You can catch me uh, on the interwebs at www.prettyfunnyent.com. I am here chilling with my folks, Mike B on the Open Mic Radio Podcast. Follow him on the web. And we're back, everybody. Uh, just a little quick short break. We was talking some Redskins talk. Got my man Big Hurt here, the the Redskins sommelier of Redskins. Okay, he has it all. If I need if I need to have any if I have any questions about Redskins, this is the man I go to because he has all the answers. And sometimes, no pun intended, the answers hurt. Hey, Big Hurt, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. Doing well. Doing well. Hey, so uh, I, uh, we was talking. We was talking Redskins. I had one more question for you before we move on to a topic that I, I, I absolutely know a lot about, and we both know a lot about uh, wrestling. So wrestling talk. Um, what is something that you're uh, – because you, you got rid of um, Jay Gruden. It took a while because the Redskins move at a very slow pace. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a football fan. I went to my first football game this year. It was against the San Francisco 49ers. And um, mm-hmm. the Redskins side was very empty. The San Francisco side was very full. I started cheering for the San Francisco um, 49ers. <laughs> it was really great. It was raining. Uh, shout out to my homie Park, who had free tickets. Um, but now we got, uh, what, Ron Rivera? Ron Rivera's the name, right? Ron, Ron Rivera. Yep. Ron Rivera's the new coach to watch the Redskins. Yes. Okay. So you got Ron Rivera. He's, um, he's, in, the, he's in the mix now. He's a new head coach. I see I got rid of uh, Bruce Allen, correct? So, so you, also long overdue. So, so what you have is you you basically have uh, the Chapter Seven bankruptcy filing of the Redskins uh, personnel wise. <laughs> what are you looking? What what are you most looking forward to this season? Not just in training camp, but um, this sixteen seventeen game season. What are you What are you looking for? Uh, improvement wise, scheme wise, and personnel wise. What are you looking most? What is the What What are you looking into? The most. Well, first of all, I'm I'm over what we get in football terms. I'm, I'm over what's called the three four defense. Mm-hmm. The three four defense is a defense where you have three defensive linemen and four linebackers behind it. Um, it takes like three or four years to draft enough players to run that scheme. Mm-hmm. The Redskins never, ever ten years of running three four. The Redskins never got it right, ever, ever. So, uh, um, well, before you do that, um, so it was never ran right because of the personnel, or was it because of the players? I mean, what that yeah, makes exactly. sense—the personnel or the coaches? Exactly. You said the coaches. Both. Okay. Both. They never had the right personnel, and they never had the right coach. They never had either one. Um, there was a small period where. Every year, it'd be a small period where for the three or four games, the defense would look like it's going to be something. And then, and there was always defense that was top five in something, top five in some obscure category. Oh, top five in run stoppage. But, you know, Mubbins is passing all over you. You know, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks are passing 350 yards on you. They don't need to run the ball. Why was some more running? Um, and then by the end of the season, that would change. By the end of the season, they would adjust the passing and, and people would run the ball on them. Too many holes in the defense. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to them getting back to... Now, with that being said, the 3-4 defense would always... You would always find one team, one or two teams per season where the Redskins were supposed to lose, but they would win because the coaching, opposing coaching can't figure out their defensive scheme. Like we would always beat up on Green Bay, Green Bay, and we were always. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Okay, cool. We would always beat up on Green Bay. We always did very well against Seattle because they struggled against that defense. Mm-hmm. But to change a scheme for two games a year, it's not really worth it. So I'm looking forward to getting back to the four-three. The typical defense where you see four defensive linemen up front, three linebackers, two defensive backs, and then. Uh, and two safe. I'm looking forward to that. That's number one. Number two, and this should have been number one, I'm looking forward 
to the Clippers being properly conditioned. Something we know about Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden had what many players called Camp Jay, a very soft, very lax training camp. He didn't believe in, uh, in cardio. He didn't believe in having players ready. He didn't believe in game planning for opponents. Like, they would never sit down and say, oh, uh, Bill Budget likes to run this play, so we need to be ready to run this play. He was of the belief that he's the smartest coach in the world and that if he called a play and our team executed properly, we would win every game. And if we didn't win every game, it was because somebody made a mistake when it came to executing the play. Um, so, Jay Gruden looked at more game film than anybody in the history of the NFL. I was about to point that out too. That he was uh, he was Mister. Well, I got to look at the film. <laughs> Yo, Jason Jason Garrett claps. Jason Garrett claps when his team is uh, past the interception and mm-hmm. coming up short on fourth down. Mm-hmm. And when the game is over, inevitably Jay Gruden has to look at the film. <laughs> that's just that's just how it is. I'm looking forward to accountability coming back. The first thing that happened when we had the uh, temporary coach last year, mm-hmm. the first thing he did was he was like, yo, practices are going to get tougher. And when you started seeing players complain about how tough the practices were getting, yeah. that's when I was like, okay, this team has a chance. Because players who – it was said to me a long time ago, if you have happy players on a last-place team, you're coaching shit. Yeah. And that's just how it was. The Redskins were never ready. They were never conditioned. They were never they never game planned. People could run the same play on them over and over. They never made in game adjustments. That's just the legacy of Jay Gruden. He was a terrible coach. So, so good offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Great playbook. Great playbook. His scheme is beautiful. He just didn't know when to call what play. So 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 when you say like happy players do you mean like you know they're just happy to be there because i mean because when when you because was that what game did i go to here's the example the redskins lost by um it was said that the redskins had a game where they lost on like 20 points Mm -hmm. almost three touchdowns and after the game two players were playing ping pong in the back well, you got to play ping pong, that's man. That's what I mean. <laughs> Sometimes you got to play that, ping pong. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. The first thing Ron Rivera did, the first thing he did when he came in as a, as a new coach, mm-hmm. the first thing he did was get rid of the ping pong table. Damn. It was his first act. <laughs> walking through the locker room, he saw the ping pong and the air hockey table. Yeah. He, got, he took down the – because you take out the ping pong table yourself. The air hockey, you need help. So he took down the ping pong table himself, and he looked at the air hockey table and said, get that out of here. Get it out of here. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he doesn't play. Like any man who wears a turtleneck all year round doesn't play. He looks like a guy who, you know, <laughs> just doesn't He doesn't Dude. play. And, uh, I, my, my question is, because I know how finicky and fickle in my da- Daniel Bryan voice, fickle, um, Redskins Nation could be. Um, what I is what what what? Uh, before we move on to the next subject, what would be? How much time does Ron Rivera have before the media and the fans turn on him? Um, <laughs> the fan. Here's the thing: the fans won't turn on him. They won't turn on him, and the media never turns on the coach. The media always blames the players. Mm-hmm. Always. Jay Gruden's one of the worst coaches in NFL history. The media never ever one time said you think Jay Gruden's not the guy? They, they'll never do that. They always blame the players. It's a structure. It's the way the NFL is structured where the owners, which I've always said the name owners, I, should, I, I think they should be called the partners. Mm-hmm. The owners run the players Mm -hmm. and if anything goes wrong it's on them so that's one thing the 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 local media always focuses on the players and particularly anytime we have an african-american quarterback they get a lot more scrutiny Mm -hmm. rg3 
bought us a champion. He bought us a division championship, first division championship in a decade. Mm-hmm. And he got scrutinized more than any player I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it. Listen. Kirk Cousins. Listen. Kirk Cousins never won a game over a team that was over 500. It never happened while he was a Redskins. And he never got criticized. Never. It was always the players around him. Yeah. It was always the players around him. And and by default, the media would go back to RG3. Like, oh, Kirk Cousins had a bad game. But it could be worse. At least it's not Robert Griffin out there. Yeah, that was... Which, to me, they might as well just say, hey, man, at least he's white. It's okay. <laughs> What's funny about that is, um, and I'm glad you brought up Kirk Cousins. And um, I, you brought up Kirk Cousins because, you know, I'm, I'm a RG3 fan because he's black. And... Um, and, and I mean, for him to come, I mean, he literally electrified the Redskins nation just with his running ability and his passing ability. So it struck me when Jay came in and the first thing he said was he can't throw. He doesn't know what this is. He doesn't know how many steps to take before he throws the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kirk Cousins come in who does the bare minimum stat, you know, pad the stats and then. He gets this talk about, you know, he's the first player to get a guaranteed contract. I bring that up because um, the talk of um, Patrick, my homeboy, and my Shannon Sharp voice, who has not only won the NFL MVP award, now he won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP award, and won Rookie of the Year. Um, there are talks that there are people in the media say he should take a little, take a discount so that the team could stay better. And I laugh at that. Because you have somebody like Kirk Cousins who hasn't even done one of the three, okay, <laughs> one of the three, and was given a guaranteed contract. So I said on a podcast, um, I was on Three Guys On. Shout out! Um, I said, "Yo, if if I'm Patrick Mahomes' boys, um, agent, this is how the contract talks will start. I'm not taking less than anything guaranteed, 100 percent. Go." <laughs> Um, that's, that's, that's just what it is, man. That's just what it is. And here's the truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, everybody in the world knows that racism exists. Everybody knows that racism exists, Mm -hmm. but anytime you point out a situation where racism may be at play, people call you crazy Mm -hmm. every single time or, or they gaslight you. Um, RG3 is a perfect example. Um, the coverage of him was absolutely racist, 100%. There was always a big deal made about his father coming in the locker room and checking on him. Fake stories, and Mike Shanahan's confirmed, fake stories of his father kicking down Mike Shanahan, the uh, ex-coach's door, and saying, my son's not running these plays. None of those were ever true. Ever true. Mm-hmm. Both of them have confirmed, because Mike Shanahan and Robert Griffin have passed up their differences, and they both moved past it yeah. and they both came out and shot down. These rumors came up, but John Elway's father held the draft hostage. John Elway's father came into whatever year that was draft and said, my son is not going to this team. He's not going to Oakland. He's not going here. He's not going here. Y'all make it work. Eli Manning's father, Peyton Manning's father, came into the draft and said, my son will not play for the L.A. Chargers. Yep, I remember that. Okay? Imagine everybody who's listening to me, especially anybody who has them curled up about racism in NFL. Now imagine a black man walking into the draft with all of these owners and saying, hey, my motherfucking son ain't playing for no New York Giants. Y'all got to figure that shit out. Imagine that. Imagine how that would go over. Yeah. But it was fucked. Robert Griffin's father couldn't come in the locker room and check on him. And the media said, we together, we got together, and we as a group decided that a, like, are we going to report this? Are we going to talk about his father coming into the locker room? Hmm. And we decided that it was newsworthy. Yeah. But Eli Manning's father 
John Elway's father coming into the draft and holding the entire league hostage was applauded. They did the right things for their son. What's the difference? There's only one difference. So whenever you see players like Kirk Cousins, who's never won on, who's won one game on Monday night, one primetime game, he has a he's won twenty percent of his games against winning uh, opponents. Twenty percent. When you have that type of quarterback go in and get ninety million dollars guaranteed, but Mahomes should take a discount. That yeah. Prescott, that Prescott, and you know I had no love for the Cowboys, but when the the numbers of his contract leak out, he said no to forty million dollars a year. It's just to outrage fans. It's just for fans to be like that. Darkie should be happy that he's not on the streets of Africa swinging from trees. That's that's the type of narrative that gets leaked out, and it only happens with black quarterbacks. It only happens with black quarterbacks. So what you do is you keep the perception of the black quarterback down. You say things like Robert Griffin's only a scheme quarterback, you know? Yeah. In actuality, every quarterback in the NFL is a scheme quarterback. I mean, what are we talking about here? But you say he's only a scheme quarterback. It keeps his value down, you know? Yeah. Like, don't get all uppity and start asking for millions of dollars. That Prescott, that Prescott, oh, he's, Dallas hasn't won enough Super Bowls for him to say that he deserves Cousins' money. No, it's it's yeah because even because that Prescott actually won more more playoff games. Correct me if I'm wrong. More playoff games than Tony Romo, the beloved Tony Romo. Correct. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. To this point, already he has won more playoff games than Tony Romo. And that's coming in at number one, right? That's like he won like maybe one or two. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, and that's and that's it, you know. And 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 honestly, that Prescott does more for that team than any quarterback has done for that team in the last twenty years, and that includes Troy Aikman, who had a Hall of Fame tight end, Hall of Fame wide receiver, Hall of Fame defense, um, Hall of Fame like that Prescott has done more with less. <laughs> he is everything. He is a throwing quarterback, but he also has the athleticism because you know he's black. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, but he 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 has it all. Now keep in mind, he's not a great quarterback. Yeah. He's just super marginal, and he makes good decisions. If he sees a throw that he can't make, he doesn't throw it. Yeah. And he doesn't take forever. He doesn't take forever to go, I got to put it down and run. And he hates doing it because he knows every time he takes it down and runs, somebody's going to be saying, see, well, he's more of a running quarterback. You know, he he does more feet than with his arm. You can't give that boy type. You can't give him cousin's money. But that would be that would be hypocritical because, and um, I'm I'm going back. I don't know much about football. I just know enough to have this conversation. The quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, who I believe is white, correct? Josh Allen. He does more with his legs than he actually do with. I've never seen every highlight I've seen is him running. I've yet to see. <laughs> I haven't seen. It may, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen him throwing the ball yet. But every highlight I've seen is him running for like a touchdown, running for his life. Is that because he doesn't have an offensive line, or, is, or what? What am I missing? Exactly. No, no, no. It's both. It's both. <laughs> he, he, he's got. Arm, so let me say he's got some athleticism with him. Yeah, and it's weird because most analysts don't know what to make of him because it's like the stigma in the NFL is that only black quarterbacks are running quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So no one calls him a running quarterback. They just say he's deceptively athletic, and you break that. That's why I've heard about him. He's deceptively athletic. And when you hear that, that basically means deceptive. Like, that means very simply, he's fast for a white guy. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything but that. Yeah, just like like uh, just like Robert Griffin, they they touted his intelligence a little bit. Like he's deceptively smart. He's pretty smart for a black guy. Yeah, that's 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 weird. Uh, we're gonna take a we're gonna let's take a uh, let's let's put a uh, let's put a book a bookmark. On this one, 
real quick. I'm going to throw up a sound bite real quick. And by sound bite, I'm going to clap on this NFL talk. Hopefully, y'all got a little education on that one. Hopefully, y'all learned some stuff about the NFL, about the Redskins, what, what you need to be looking for this upcoming season uh, with all this social distancing going on around the world. Now, we're moving on to some um, wrestling. Look, man, we're both wrestling fans. I missed out on WrestleMania uh, 36. I had the ticket in hand. Like, I literally had my ticket in hand. Uh, I had already had my flight in hand um, to and from, right? I've already planned out my, my WrestleMania weekend, and it was snatched up from me by the coronavirus. Hey, whatever, right? Uh, what was your thoughts on this year's WrestleMania? I... I saw this year's WrestleMania. First thing I thought was, "Yo, they can't go. They can't go back to one night WrestleMania." Yeah, you can't go back to one night WrestleManias. You need two night WrestleManias every year. You get back in two arenas. You have night number one from the LA arena, night number two from Staples Center or whatever. You cannot go back to one night WrestleManias. I loved it. Like two and a half hours. Matches. I like the shorter matches. Football. We mm-hmm. are a society of short attention span. Yeah. I like the short matches. I like the ten minute matches. Um, and 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 when you have four or five ten minute matches, you can sneak in an Edge Randy Orton match that goes for like thirty minutes. You can sneak one. Yeah. When it goes all over the place, you don't more than ten minutes. Either in the ring, um, in the back, or in the gym, recreating the Chris Benoit suicide, mm-hmm. or then another ten minutes of the truck. Like you can, you can, if you keep it moving, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, they recreate the Chris Benoit suicide <laughs> during the match. I was, um, I was, uh, I'll talk about this to you off, offline too. When I get back on the, uh, when I get back on the sticks, um, uh. But I, um, man, I think one of the things I noticed in the two-night WrestleMania, um, it completely eliminated all the fluff that you normally would get in a seven-hour Sunday WrestleMania, meaning all the unnecessary backstage um, segments with people, they, with celebrities who may or may not may not be wrestling fans, who don't know, who are just there for the check, the unnecessary comedy gimmick that's normally happening because you can't because certain wrestlers um, can't get a match. So you throw them in this comedy segment to kill like three or four minutes or whatever because of um, what from what I've remember, from what I've learned um, those segments are thrown in to help the date the WrestleMania day go by so that the sun could go down and the night could come up <laughs> the moon could come up for the um, later matches et cetera et cetera um, but that's what I learned that's what I took away from it like a lot of the fluff that's normally in the mat in, in in the eight in the eight hour WrestleMania was completely eliminated, and it was just down to, all right, you know, just the matches. Just just the matches, and then, you know, oh, that's it. We're done. See you tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and then, and, you know, just the matches again. Uh, wh- which one was your favorite night, uh, WrestleMania Part 1, um, um, Saturday's WrestleMania or Sunday's WrestleMania? That's rough. I think it was... I think it was uh, part two. I think it was. I think it was the second night. Um, one because you know I'm a big Brock Lesnar guy, mm-hmm. and I like what him and Drew McIntyre did. It was short, sweet to the point. Yeah. Um, but also, as much as I like AJ Styles versus The Undertaker, mm-hmm. that John Cena Bray Wyatt match. I'm going to watch it in a few minutes. As soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to watch it again. That John Cena-Bray Wyatt match was one of the most creative things I have ever seen in my life. And it didn't look that way for the first couple minutes. Yeah. Um, Side note, I just ran somebody out of wrestling group we're both in. Um, It's a guy who always complains. Everything WWE does, oh, Vince is terrible, oh, this is bad. Why would this happen? He didn't like the AJ Styles Undertaker match. He didn't like John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. He doesn't like anything that wrestling, that wrestling ever does. Mm-hmm. And I took a screenshot 
of every post that he had made over the last year and put him in like a little collage of him complaining. <laughs> yeah. And and it ran him out. Four o'clock in the morning yesterday, me and him had an exchange. I woke up at seven thirty and he was gone. He had left the group. He had removed the post and left the group. People are gonna complain. I like that 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 WWE adjusted and found a way to push forward. Mm-hmm. And I I like it a lot. And I think they've stumbled onto something. Now if by time this podcast posts, WWE is owned by Disney, um, all of this will be for nothing. But I really think they've stumbled onto something. Yeah, yeah. I just I just saw that too. I'm 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 interested to see if the McMahon's actually sell the WWE to ESPN and Fox. That's going to be. Uh, that's going to be weird because um, outside of the AEW, we'll talk about in a few seconds. Um, it's and I, I think I said this like a year ago. I said when they so when when they did that deal with Fox, that's probably going to be the nail. That's going to be the nail in the coffin because at this point, is a it's a money chase. <laughs> it's not a uh, it's not so much a, a a business or it was a good deal because with that Fox deal came. Um, okay, Fox wants control of what they have, what what the, how the product is being shown on their station, and you're taking a little bit, you're letting other people dictate the decisions, um, decisions based off of a, a, a subject they're not comfortable or not knowing. So, like back in the early '90s when WCW was going through their transformations, and you had different uh, TBS execs, uh, <laughs> uh, Turner execs coming in trying to run a wrestling show and never knew how to run a wrestling show. So we're, we're getting ready to get into that. If, if this is true, it looks like it's going to go into that direction again where you have a bunch of people running a wrestling show <laughs> that don't know how to run a wrestling show. And uh, and there will be no wrestling um, um, people in the back um, coaching their team. What do you think about that? <clears throat> Hello. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I someone sent me a text about some going on in Redskins Park, and I, I got lost a little bit. Can I get that question one more time? Short. Oh, oh no, no. Just based on long story short, uh, do you feel that this deal would be the the death the death blow to the WWE if they was to sell to Fox? Uh, and, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 No. No. Okay. That's okay. I want to make sure I'm answering the right question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be the same thing with UCW. What uh, Turner gave up control and it's Time Warner. It becomes corporate. You stop getting wrestling people involved. You start getting people involved who despise the fact that wrestling even exists, let alone is a top moneymaker. Yeah. And they start putting their hands in the pot. You're going to get a lot less Vincent Mans and a lot more Vince Russo's. It's going to become, oh, well, wrestling's fake, right? Well, let's turn it into Jerry Springer. No, the second Vince McMahon is no longer in control, no longer has final say, wrestling's done. You have to understand, ever since Vince got shareholders and he had to answer to, mm-hmm. wrestling's changed. Wrestling's gotten a little watered down. Yeah. Because, you know, sponsors, shareholders, corporate, you have to apologize to people who don't even understand why they're angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, once, uh, once he fails, it won't be the same. It will never be the same again. What are your, um, what are your thoughts on? Cause I feel like, um, because of this new company, AEW, which I'm a fan of, um, very different company, um, different look, different feel. Do you feel like that the, um, AEW company coming in has made the, um, WWE pro- um, product, um, step up and become a little bit more edgier because there was a PG. They were like, we're going PG, and then you have AEW coming in and they're taking over a certain demographic that the, that the WWE audience isn't um, normally catering to. Um, now they're trying to cater to them with some of the, like even like this past episode of Raw with um, Drew McIntyre said uh, the SHIT were shit. That's why he said shit. So uh, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what, what's your opinion on that? Um, my opinion on that is competition has never not made anybody better. 
ever. So yeah, AEW definitely made WWE step up. And keep in mind, I don't, I don't think AEW is anywhere near the caliber of WWE's product. Mm. Um, I think AEW, you're getting exactly what you would expect in a wrestling organization run by other wrestlers. It's 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 a lot of just a, every week just run on wrestlers lashing out to Vincent Mann why didn't you use me properly and they're still struggling to go mm-hmm. for me for me um, I think the best products you have in that company are Cassidy uh, Chris Jericho a few people that come and make you go, yes, okay, these guys have a chance. But bringing in these WWE guys and taking shots, every time they take a shot at WWE, for me, they demean themselves. Mm-hmm. Every single time. They make themselves less... Um, I can't think of the word. They, 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 they demean themselves a little bit. Yeah, they're, 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 I'm not less elite. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I know I know they think that in the short term it's like, oh, we acknowledge WWE. Like someone's at home popping, like, yeah, talk about it. But over time it's gonna look silly. And over time it gets stale and gets like, okay, we, we get it. You don't like WWE. What you got? Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh I like Luke Harper. I like Luke Harper eating That's cool. What, what you got? You say Show eating, me why Vince didn't use you right. You say he's eating snakes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did, did I miss no, that? No, no, uh, no. Luke Harper eating steak. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's some funny segments that got ruined by him throwing shots at WWE. It's like, ah, he's on something. You know, my last employer. Uh, okay. What's happening <laughs> on NXT? <laughs> Yeah, you know what's funny? I haven't watched NXT. I don't watch NXT like that now that it's on the network. It's not on the network as much. I used to watch it when it was on the network, but it's something about watching it, I don't know. It's it's weird. Wednesdays is weird for me. Hey, we get ready to um wrap this up real quick. Um, hurt. Let everybody know how to get in contact with you again. Of course, I have it in the description. Um, uh, how they can get in contact with you on the on the social re- social media and how they can listen to and or watch your show. Um, you can find me at True Radio Network, TRURadioNetwork.com, or HurtsHouse.com, H-U-R-T-S-H-O-U-S-D.com. I'm also Hurts House on iTunes, Hurts House on Twitter, Hurts House on Instagram. All right. Cool, man. Hey, thank you for coming through again. We'll have some more conversations like this. Um, we'll get to the wrestling part a little bit more, a little bit more quicker. But I was really intrigued with the Redskins talk, especially with football seasons coming up. Uh, one more time, everybody, give it up. Hit sound bite. Um, <laughs> give it up for my man, Big Hurt, one more time. And Hurt, don't go nowhere. Clap. <laughs> <Jared> <laughs> don't go nowhere. We'll be right back with Omar Radio Podcast. Yeah. That was my man, Hurt. Talking that Redskins talk. Hopefully, if you're a sports fan, this was a this was just a break from the monotony of just talking comedy and just getting to know people. Just breaking from the monotony. I like to break monotony up, yo. Um so, you know, football season's coming up. If you're not if you're not protesting football um or anything, you know. That was some insight. If you're a Redskins fan, you know, that's something for you to uh chew the fat, as they say at my old job. Chew the fat at the at my old job. That's just meaning we're gonna have an unnecessary long meeting where we discuss something that could have been discussed in the last meeting. Um so anyway, uh that's our episode. <laughs> I wanna thank you all again, all the ones and twos for listening. Um coming up, uh I've been on the Black Guy That Tips, the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. Shout out to Rod and Karen. Thank y'all for having me. Three guys on podcast. Thank y'all for having me. Um, as always, I really appreciate y'all listening. Uh, what else I've been doing? Don't forget quarantine bracket um, TW or WT Wednesday, Thursday, um, 10 p.m. 
um, with me and Kareem Green. Also, you know, you know what the you know a hashtag promote might be. These podcasts, if you haven't already, like and subscribe, share, listen, let the people know what's going on. Follow me on Twitter at OMikeB O L M I K E B seven five seven. Open Mic Radio Podcast. Open Mic M I K E Podcast. Um, hey, listen on demand. Go on my go on my page on iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Hear me out. Hey, thank y'all again. And we are maybe in the good name of Big Hurt. <laughs> we out of here. What up? This is Hurt, a.k.a. the Big Hurt, a.k.a. the Black Mountain. And right now you're listening to my guy, Mike Brown, on the Open Mic Radio Podcast.